From BLC Studios in Mankato, Minnesota, this is the Bethany Vikings Podcast, hosted by Brock Aker. Welcome back to another episode of the Bethany Vikings Podcast. This will be the last pod of the first half of this semester as spring break is upon us, which means baseball in Tucson, which means softball in Tucson. And that's good because we have coach, assistant coach for the back-to-back UMAC championship baseball team, Coach Wally. He'll join me and preview the baseball team. Dan Nessler, uh, the softball head coach, will join me as well. We'll interview that. Kind of a preview to Arizona. They've already played 10 games. They're 4-6 and six so far. A good start for the teams they've been playing. We'll talk to Nestler about two top five teams they'll have to face in Tucson. And we'll talk about some traditions with the two coaches of what they do down in Tucson. Some of their favorite things to go to, places to eat. You don't want to miss some of that rapid-fire Arizona style. And then we'll end the show talking about the NCAA Regional. The Vikings men's team concluded their season last night with a 102-68 loss to University of Washington, St. Louis. And we'll then talk about the women, about their big upset win against the number six team in the country, Bethel. And they'll play University of Wisconsin, Oshakosh. And we'll talk about ending the show with the UMAC Awards, which came out this week. And one of our players, very own, won UMAC Player of the Year. So stay tuned to find out who that was. All right, let's get to the interviews. First up, Coach Wally of the back-to-back UMAC champion, Bethany Lutheran College baseball team. We are now joined by assistant coach Matt Wallenzen. How are you doing today, Coach? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm glad to talk a little bit about baseball right now. Talking a lot about basketball, the two teams going to the regionals this week, but you as well are going to Arizona. A lot of Bethany teams traveling this weekend. Yeah, it's an exciting time, I think, uh, definitely for the basketball teams, um, the run they've put together the last couple of years. Um, but for us, our guys and coaching staff included, we're uh, anxious to get down to Arizona, no doubt. Yeah, so you're entering your third season as the assistant coach here. And the first two years you're here, they won the to preview their Arizona. What do you focus on and what made you successful here at Bethany? Um, well, first of all, I think when I got here, um, we had a very strong roster. Um, a lot of guys with experience, um, not just with experience, but uh, had a one, two, three successful years um, before my first year here. So um, having that experience and having some older guys to lean on um, during that adaptation period uh, was big for me, uh, without a doubt. So uh, those senior leaders had a lot to do with it. So where were you from coming to Bethany? Where did you coach before that? Uh, I was at the University of Evansville. Um, it's a Division One school in Evansville, Indiana, uh, in the Missouri Valley Conference, and I was the volunteer assistant there for two years. And then you played D1 ball at? Austin P. yep. Austin P. In Clarksville, Tennessee. Okay, how, how, what's the difference between the D1 and D3 levels? Um, there's definitely a, a talent gap. Um, a little more athleticism in Division One, a little more depth without a doubt. Um, but I, I hadn't had much experience in Division Three baseball until I came here. Um, and honestly, the gap is not as, as big as I would have expected. Uh, there's some very high-quality baseball in Division Three. Um, but from top to bottom, obviously, you're going to get more talent uh, in the Division One realm. And now you're the coach of the Mankato Moondogs. Uh, 
you took over for Coach Craig. Can you explain your relationship with Coach Craig and how you two came together? How did you meet him? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, in 2013, I actually played for the Moondogs. Um, and that summer, after I got done with my junior year at Austin P, um, Craig was kind of a, a volunteer fourth coach. He was in town and uh, just wanted to help out. Um, so that was the first summer I had met him. Uh, I took a year off from coming up to Mankato and um, just went back home to Colorado for the summer. Uh, and then the following summer, decided I wanted to go all in on coaching um, and came up, coached for the Moondogs, and Coach Craig was a part of that staff. Uh, so that's kind of how we got to know each other and stayed in touch in between. So playing for Austin P, right? That's what yep. you said. Um, and then the Moondogs, do you have any friends that made it to the big leagues or do you know have a lot of connections? Um, I have a couple college teammates uh, that um, are in the big leagues. Um, Tyler Rogers uh, was my roommate uh, at Austin P. He's a submarine right-handed pitcher. Um, was our closer for us at Austin P. He's currently with the San Francisco Giants. Um, and then Ryan Harper who was another back-end bullpen guy for us at Austin P. Uh, he spent the majority, or almost the whole year last year in the big leagues with the Twins, uh, just got traded to the Washington Nationals this past year. Okay, so you know people in the MLB. You've obviously played a lot of baseball. You coach baseball. So what do you think about the off-season story with the Astros and the trash can banging? Like, what You've been involved, obviously, in the baseball world. What's your whole take on the situation? Um, Definitely something that shouldn't happen in the game. Uh, I think a lot of people were uh, cheated out of opportunities, uh, MVPs, um, titles, all that. Um, but at the same time, you got to think that sign stealing's been around uh, as as long as the game has been around. Um, but I think as soon as they kind of took it to the next level and uh, brought technology into it and like the live feeds. Um, I would say that's without a doubt crossing the line. Um, I don't think the penalties are quite strict enough, um, but on the on the same note, I would highly doubt that they were the only team doing it. Um, they might have taken it further uh, than other clubs, but um, definitely hoping for a harsher, uh, whether it's suspension or uh, removing the title, whatever it may be. But um, you just think about all the players that they faced, all those pitchers that, um, I mean, those guys knew it was coming. Almost every single pitch, the home and road uh, splits show it. Um, so it's just unfortunate for those guys. I mean, I've heard of a couple pitchers who um, that was their only opportunity in the big leagues um, was against the Astros, whether it was their first time out, second time out. And um, it's tough to have success when hitters know it's coming. And um, it very well could have cheated them out of future opportunities, and uh, those are guys that are trying to make a career out of it. They have families to feed, and um, it's just too bad. Yeah, I saw uh, on Facebook that Kershaw in the World Series threw like 35 breaking balls, and none of them were swung on and missed, so you know something was going on. For sure. But you're the third base coach. You do signs, obviously, to your hitters and base runners, and you sometimes call the game for the pitchers too. What do you do? to like decode or not decode but make sure the other team doesn't decode your signs do you switch things up or what's your you obviously don't tell me your strategy because you don't want people to know but like what what do you do as precautions um as far as pitch calling goes uh catchers have a wristband 
um, give a set of three numbers along with uh, some other touches with it. Um, and unless they're writing them down and I repeat a number, uh, it's pretty much impossible to pick. Uh, we switch out cards throughout the game. So um, one number in the first inning, and then you give that very same number in the third inning, it'll be two different pitches. Um, from an offensive sign standpoint, um, our signs are simple, but they can change very easily uh, as far as just changing up the hot spot um, on that given day if we think uh, a team might be onto our signs or we've played the same team three, four times in a year. Uh, just gives us a little flexibility to change things up. All right, yeah, sweet. Let's get more to the players now. You're coming off back-to-back -back championships, but you lost a lot of players, especially on the offensive side of the field, like all-conference players, Nick Caldean, Grant Beecher, Ben Baran, and then Brady Schuster and Jared Gazelle did not come back either. How are you going to replace all these starters? Uh, I think just piece by piece. We don't um, – whoever's replacing Nick Caldean does not have to be Nick Caldean, um, but as a group we have to replace their um, productivity, and um, there are a number of ways that we can do that. Um, I think we have a much more athletic team this year. Um, uh, likely going to translate to us being a little more aggressive on the base paths. Um, don't want to say small ball because I think we uh, have plenty of guys that can drive the baseball, but um, there's definitely a loss of power there uh, when you lose uh, two guys like Caldine and Baran. Um, but I, I really like where we're at. I like the pieces, um, and I think we are deeper than we have been since I've been here. A um, lot of opportunity for guys to win a job and um, – it all starts in Arizona. I mean, we can watch them practice. Uh, we've been fortunate enough to go over to the MSU Dome uh, and practice, which is obviously a much better space and facility than uh, being in two hardwood floor gyms. But um, you never really know what you're going to get out of guys till you see them um, when the lights turn on and you're facing a team with a different uniform. So I'm just excited to get down to Arizona uh, watch us play another team um, and just see what guys do on the big stage and how they compete. You talked about the MSU facility. I've seen like some tweets. There's a lot of technology there too. Can you explain all the stuff that goes into it? I know you you use a lot of your iPad. What kind of like metrics do you use and look at? Um, as a program this year, us along with softball, um, we're fortunate enough to get the two Rapsodo systems, the hitting and the pitching. Um, essentially, those just kind of, like you had uh, mentioned, just give us a bunch of metrics on batted ball, uh, incoming pitch, uh, spin rate, velocity, um, exact location, um, helps pitchers tunnel pitches better, that make sure they're coming out of the same slot, um, seeing if their off-speed pitch shape matches their arm slot. Um, and then from a hitting standpoint, it gives you exit velocity, uh, projected distance, um, the spin of the ball off the bat, um, all that sort of stuff, which uh, is nice inside without a doubt, um, just because there is a little, you know when a ball's hit hard, but um, to have some concrete proof of it um, and some numbers to go along with it uh, is, is very nice to have. Um, there's also uh, more advantage to it as far as you get a guy on there with enough reps offensively, uh, you can kind of show them, okay, uh, when you hit the ball at this launch angle, that's um, where you seem to have the most success uh, as far as exit velocity, uh, what pitches you hit well, what pitches you don't hit well. Um, and I think even more so than that, just did you swing at a strike? Um, it'll 
tell you that as well. So I'm definitely fortunate to have that. I don't think there are a lot of Division three programs uh, that have that capability. So um, we've been using it, but by no means is it something we live and die by. Uh, is there any transfers or freshmen that are coming in that you think could take a big leap? Any new players? Uh, yeah, we have um, quite a few. Actually, I'm going to forget somebody because half our team is um, transfers or freshmen. But uh, behind the plate, Matt Verdugo, um, he's a freshman catcher out of Colorado. Uh, he had a strong fall, especially towards the end. Um, very hard worker and continued to get better throughout uh, winter break, and he's shown really well on both sides of the ball so far in the spring practices. Um, Carter Wenlent, uh, who will start at first for us, uh, right-handed hitter, um, left-handed thrower, first baseman. Um, I thought that was a big loss last year, losing Jared. Just um, struggled with the bat, but for what he did uh, for our team defensively and all the runs and errors that he saved over there, uh, I didn't think we were ever going to um, get a defensive first baseman as strong as him. but. Um, Carter's done an outstanding job so far and um, is also doing big things with the bat, so I would definitely expect a big year out of him. Um, Kalen Legrid, a Minnesota Duluth transfer, kind of a utility guy, can catch, play outfield, play infield. Uh, very good athlete, quick twitch kid. Um, ben Hopper uh, is going to start at short for us. He's a freshman um, from Mankato West, uh, left-handed hitter. Uh, been very strong defensively and um, been one of our top hitters so far, uh, not only in the fall, but also in the spring practices. Um, on the mound, uh, Brody Curtis um, is a transfer. Uh, right-handed pitcher will be one of our top arms. Um, just a model of consistency, throws strikes. Uh, he's got experience. He, um, he knows what he's doing out there, and I, I think uh, having an older guy that has experience at a higher level um, not only does great things for our team when he's on the mound, but um, gives the opportunity to our pitching staff to learn from his experiences as well. Um, and like I said, I know I forgot a, quite a few guys. I didn't mention everybody, but I'm definitely excited to see um, how the guys mesh together from here on out because you can have all the depth and all the talent you can have, but um, it doesn't really amount to much if the guys don't mesh and come together as one. So uh, excited to get going for that reason. Logan Nesson's coming back again. The pitching, you got a lot of returners. Adam Fierstad, Dallas McBroom, all-conference pitchers. How are they looking early on here in the spring? Very good. Um, Nesson's taking a bump up in velocities, improved uh, both of his off-speed pitches. Um, he's even more physical than he was last year. It looks like he's put on a ton of strength. Um, Fierstad has uh, been the same old guy. Um, don't mean that in a bad way, but he's just kind of done what he did last year and um, so far in practices, and that was good enough for uh, him to have a very strong year last year. And um, He's also worked on command of the off-speed, reshaping his breaking ball a little bit. Um, but yeah, all, all those guys returning Dallas, kind of the same deal. Um, little bump in velocity. I expect him to continue to get stronger as the year goes on, but uh, high pitch ability guy, um, even though the velocity is not up there as fastball seems to get on guys for whatever reason. Um, so all those guys are doing a very good job so far. Do you take anything into being preseason favorites for the UMAC? I saw that you're voted to finish first. Do you take much in that with that as a coach? 
No, I mean, it doesn't really mean anything. A preseason award uh, doesn't really do anything for you. Um, that's been a message to our guys is uh, just like last year, you're, you're going to have a target on your back. You're the team to beat in the UMAC. Um, you're not going to sneak up on out-of-conference teams um, when they see your past successes. Um, so we get, we're going to have to bring it every single day, regardless of who we're playing. Um, now it is, I guess, cool to be recognized, but at the same time, it doesn't mean anything. So you're going to Arizona now. You're leaving tomorrow. What are your goals for Arizona? Do you have like a target mark of wins or? Uh, no, not necessarily. Um, we've, I'd like to win every single game. That's the goal. Every time you get out there is find a way to win the game. Um, I think as far as we're, we're playing a lot of strong teams down there. Um, so from a RPI standpoint and a potential postseason berth without having to win um, the UMAC tournament would be nice, but that's uh, essentially impossible unless we show well down there. Um, so I'd say more so than anything, uh, we just have to continue to get better from game one to game eight that we play down there. We have to see steady improvement. Um, I know this coaching staff wants to see a lot of guys in some different roles um, so that we have a better idea of uh, who's going to be our core group of guys. Not to say that there's not going to be um, a large number of contributors because there will be, but um, like I had mentioned earlier, just seeing how guys react to the stage, um, how they compete, um, and in the end that's who's going to play is the guys that you know what you're going to get out of them, uh, the guys that are committed to winning will do anything for their team to win, uh, and the guys that show up and compete every single day. I see you have some JV games too down in Arizona. What does that help you guys with? Um, just seeing more guys. Um, I think in the past we would have been a little bit limited filling a whole um, roster with the JV team. Um, but honestly, there could be guys that start in that JV game and don't see much varsity time, and then all of a sudden uh, you watch them on that stage, and it's like, well, that guy, that guy deserves a chance. Um, we get back from Arizona, and one of those guys may get that chance and run with it. So uh, just an opportunity to see more guys, um, let guys develop um, even more so than they would without those games. So I definitely think it's a good thing for our team uh, to have those opportunities to play JV games down there. All right, let's get to this rapid-fire Arizona session. Are you all right with that? Yeah. All right, first one, we'll get started. What's your favorite place to go eat at when you get to Arizona? Oh, gosh. It's a Mexican restaurant. I can't remember the name, so I'm 0 for 1. Okay. What is? Do you have any traditions when you go down to Arizona? Is there a certain place you have to go to or something you have to do? Um, I just, I'm excited to watch baseball games. Um, I'm going to try to go to the park as much as I can, watch other teams, um, go to spring training, um, watch some of my buddies hopefully pitch, um, but go out, hang out with them, uh, be able to catch up with them is definitely something I'm looking forward to. What do you do on the plane? Oh, who knows? I might sleep, um, might get some work done, um, nothing planned. Okay. We'll end it there. I really appreciate you joining the show today, and good luck in Arizona and starting the season. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Brock. We are now joined by Bethany softball coach Dan Nessler. How are you doing, coach? Doing good, Brock. Thank you. You're getting ready to go to Arizona tomorrow, is that correct? Yeah, we leave at 1230 uh, on the bus. Looking forward to it. But you already played 10 games 
going into Arizona. Have you ever played that many games before going to Arizona? No, we haven't. We've you know we've played as many as six, but uh, having this new MSU bubble is really is really good for us. Um, kind of, I tried to play more. Um, reason being, it seems like we always get snow or rain or something that kind of dampens our schedule a little bit once we get outside. So I tried to get as many non-conference games done inside as possible so we can try to get all 40 games in. You're four and six in those first 10 games. You've had some tough competition. What have you seen in those 10 games? What do you learn about your team so far? Well, I think four and six is is pretty solid through those 10 games. I mean, they're good teams. When you look at, at who we've played, you know, teams out of the MIAC are good. St. Olaf is, is a good team. They've got a two-time All-American pitcher, Julie Graff, and we saw her in both games. And, you know, that, she's a challenge, you know. St. Ben's is really, really good. Um, I, I look for them to be rated in the top 25 uh, anytime soon here. Um, so um, then you get to Buena Vista. We split with them, and they're a good team out of the American River Conference. You get to Hamlin. They finished second in the Mayak last year in the conference tournament to St. Thomas. And then River Falls, who we happen to sweep. So really, I think, a tough schedule, and it might only get tougher now on our way to Arizona. So you play, You talked about the MSU facility. You played most of your games there. Has your team uh, played on turf before this year? Um, yes. Uh, Northwestern in our conference has a turf field. And um, once in a while when we do have bad weather, like, for example, last year at Morris, uh, we played on their football field. And okay. we did that at Northland. They have a turf field. So uh, we do occasionally. And then, of course, we've played in the bubbles uh, every year where we go up to Dundas who has a bubble, or West St. Paul, and there's others up in the Metro. So we, we have uh, played games on turf, yes, and it, it's just good because with our weather in the Midwest, uh, it's hard to get started before April 1, and then you can't get all your, your games in, so you have to get inside somehow, some way. How big do you think that helps you with recruiting now at that MSU bubble? I think it's good. We've had uh, – it, it gives us a selling point, especially if we try to continue to get out-of-state kids, California kids like we have some. Um, you know, they, they're worried about the cold, right, when they come to Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So we uh, we can tell them, hey, we play inside, or then once we get outside, it's nice. Um, but I think it's really good. You know, when we've played our games in the MSU bubble, we've had recruits at virtually every game. So they can come watch us. They can come see how we compete with good teams, and, and I think that's, a, that's an advantage. You talk about recruiting. You have a lot of players from California. Zoe Kanakian is from Victoria, British Columbia. Cassidy Cunningham's from Canada too, isn't she? Yeah, she is. Uh, so how do you recruit all these people from all over the place? Well, uh, early on when I came to Bethany, I, I did a, a mailing to junior college coaches in California and also the Phoenix, Tucson area, just trying to tell them who I am, uh, where I've been, and what I was trying to accomplish. Did I get a lot of responses? No, but I got a couple from California and it just spurred me to go out on a visit out there. So I went out and, and tried to meet as many junior college coaches as I can, could, um, especially in the northern part, um, which is where I had a little bit of a foothold. So we wound up uh, getting Haley Sobrero to come first from Shasta College. And now this year we've got two more from Shasta, Alyssa Costa and Tara George. Um, the, the Zoe Kanakin connection is a little different. Uh, her, her club coach and, and school coach is Rocky Vitale. Uh, I played against Rocky back when I was a player, and so we had a connection there. And so I, 
I've been reaching out to all the people that, that know me from my playing days that are coaches and try to keep those uh, relationships going and just see who might have a player that's a good fit. And it just so happened that Zoe was a great fit for here. She's a, she's a high academic kid, a pre-med kid, and she wanted to play soccer and softball, and you just can't do that at very many places. And Bethany just happens to be one where we can make it work for her. Yeah, that's really nice. You talked about Haley Sabrera, Zoe Kanakin. They were really starting off the season on a hot note. Both have been player of the week in the UMAC early on. They're both heading 400, over 400. How have they been so successful to start this year? Well, they're just good players. You know, um, I, I believe both of those kids are kids that uh, – had they been seen by the right coaches here or there or wanted to do it, could maybe play at a higher level. They could maybe play at the D2 level. They've got those those types of skills. But, you know, there's always circumstances as to why kids wind up at, at D3, right, especially if they could play higher. Is it because of academics? Is it because they want to be a multi-sport athlete? Um, in Haley Sobrero's case, she hurt her knee um, her senior year of high school, so some opportunities that maybe she was going to have, maybe kind of had to get put on hold until she healed. And, mm-hmm. and long story short, at, at, at the end of the day, we, we were lucky enough to get her. But both of those kids are just phenomenal players, phenomenal kids, and uh, I'm just we feel blessed to have them in our program. Yeah, they played well last year, too. Uh, are there any players that are surprising you? Maybe they didn't have a big season last year, or maybe they're transferred new players that – kind of coming in and you're surprised how well they've developed and well I'm not sure uh, I've had surprises uh Tara George came in from from Shasta College as well um and and Tara was a great hitter at Shasta so I kind of expected her to be a great hitter here and she's continuing to do that um you know we've kind of put her in a position where she she was a pitcher in high school and she did not pitch at Shasta but because of some injuries and a transfer we needed somebody to pitch and so I asked Tara if she would pitch, and she said sure, and, and she's working hard at it, um, still trying to gain her confidence in a lot of areas, but she's doing good, and uh, um, she's been really, really good. You know, I think Anna Hoffman, too, you know, last year as a freshman, she maybe hit, I don't know, 320 or something like that, but she's hitting close to 400 now, too. She's at 391. She's a good hitter. Um, and I just, I'm excited for those kids that, that put in the time, put in the work, and uh, start to see the benefits of it. You talked about losing uh, your top two pitchers last year. Uh, Cassidy Cunningham's come in, and she's looking like your ace. What have you seen from her? Yeah, she is. Uh, she's she's doing really well. She came from Botano, North Dakota Junior College. Again, it was uh, I saw her pitch last May after we were done with our season. I went to the Junior College National Tournament over in Rochester, Minnesota. Saw her pitch there, and. Uh, Long long story short, wound up reaching out to just try to see what her interest level would be for coming next year after her sophomore year at Botano. And uh, she wound up saying, well, what if I wanted to come this year and, and play three years at Bethany? And I said, well, that would be awesome, you know, if that's what, she, if that's what you want. Anyways, she, uh, I think, was a little nervous just trying to fit into a new team. She didn't come until the break in January, so she wasn't here for the fall semester and neither was Liz Milam. They both came at, at the break. So I think there was a little transition there, learning a new team, learning new friends, learning new coaches. So, But I think she's settling in now, and um, and she knows how to pitch. She's going to be really good here long term. And uh, I think we just kind of – it's hard to really judge your success when you play really good teams right out of the gate mm-hmm. and you're trying to get your footing still. And I think that's where she was at. 
But now that she's starting to get her footing, I think we're going to see her really take off. I see uh, Zoe Kanakin's starting to pitch a little bit too, and you talked about George and Costa. Uh, what do, what's the difference between softball and baseball? You obviously use less pitchers. Is there a pitch count even in softball, or how does that work really for you when you manage the game? No, there's not. Um, you know, we, we still keep track of pitch count, uh, especially some of these kids like Zoe and Alyssa and Terry that haven't pitched for a couple of years. Um, but we're, we're going to keep trying to keep all four of them throwing, try to get all of them in, in pitching shape. You know, the, the underhand throwing motion is a lot easier on your arm than the overhand throwing motion. So softball teams need way less pitchers than baseball teams. You know, base, the Bethany baseball team probably, you know, has 20 pitchers. Um, but, we, you know, again, Zoe's another one. We've got some kids that we're asking to pitch that pitched in high school because of a few circumstances. You know, we had uh, Shelby Blumendahl last year was a freshman that uh, decided to transfer closer to home and go to Southwest State, so she's playing there. And then uh, Bria Majeski, who was our, our ace number one pitcher last year, is still at Bethany, but she had to have uh, surgery on her hip, on her labrum in December. So she's probably out for the year, you know, I, I would assume. But, um, you know, our hope is that even next year, Bria has one more year of school here at Bethany, and we're hopeful we're going to get her back, you know. But it's just one of those things that we, we kind of got caught a little bit short on the pitching side. Cassidy's coming along, and Zoe and Tara and Alyssa are working hard at it, and I think uh, I think we're going to get there. That's awesome. Uh, we're let's get on to Arizona. You came here. You told me there's a lot of checklists for Arizona, so it's an exciting time, but a lot of work too. Can you explain the process here these last couple of days leading up to Arizona? Yeah, just uh, I got my checklist of everything. As you can imagine, trying to get 17 players, four coaches, and a trainer uh, to Arizona and back for a, a full week takes a little bit of planning. So, um, you know, between hotels and flights and do we have all of our gear and uniforms and uh, all, you know, and, and even now today, I, I honestly went out to, to find some uh, sanitary wipes and, and hand sanitizer and that kind of thing, because we're going to have a discussion with what's going on in the world today with the coronavirus and everything else. As to say, I don't think we need to be afraid of domestic travel right now, but I think we have to be smart about our domestic travel mm -hmm. and, uh, and germs and, and, and what's all going on. So um, trying to put enough thought into it that we take care of our, our whole group. And, uh, but we're, we're excited about Arizona. I mean, we've got a great schedule down there. We're going to play really good teams. We can find out a lot about ourselves, where we're at. And uh, we're looking forward to getting on the bus tomorrow at 1230. Yeah, it's kind of crazy time because the top two trainers that work at Bethany are with the basketball team. So you got different trainers that don't even go to Bethany. Yeah, we've got two different trainers, one going with baseball and one going with softball. But you know, it is what it is. You know, we've we've had trainers that have had to join us in the past too. Uh, so, you know, the the girls usually don't mind. Is you know, when you got a professional trainer, you've got a professional trainer, right? It is what it is, and they usually wind up by the end of the week, uh, kind of being part of the group and understanding all the girls and learning all the girls. We have a lot of fun. We're going to do some fun things down in Arizona too, with going to watch some softball games, and we have a family dinner and um, just a lot of exciting times. You talked about going to Arizona, you'll face a lot of tough teams. You're going to face the number one overall team in the country, Texas Lutheran. What's the mindset going against the number one team? Well, I think it's going to be interesting. You know, I hope that our girls go out with the mindset that we really don't have anything to lose. Mm -hmm. you, you might as well go for it. 
if you don't do that and you play afraid of making a mistake or, or anything like that, you're going to really get run over pretty hard. But I think it gives us an opportunity to, you know, just like when we played St. Ben's, I think they were a top 25 team. I think in the next couple of weeks you'll see them in the top 25. Um, you know, we got beat pretty good by, both, by them both times. We got, you know, we gave up nine. We scored one and two. Um, but that's not a terrible game, you know. And I think when we see Texas Lutheran, who's rated number one, when we see Illinois Wesleyan, who's rated number five, we're going to find out. Uh, it, it gives you a chance to find out in a hurry who is ready to compete with those level teams and who's not. And I think mm-hmm. we can learn that from our roster too. So do you set up those games or do you uh, for that or to try to like get you ready for UMAC to see better teams or do, who does the schedule really? I do the schedule. Um, so and, and honestly, I tried to beef up our strength of schedule this year. Um, but that's probably when I still thought I had everybody coming back. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you make your schedule and all of a sudden things happen just like life and you don't have everybody coming back. So, um, you know, in hindsight, is that too bad? Is it, I don't know what it is. But I, I believe that the kids we have can go compete there. Um, we didn't have a whole lot of choice on our schedule down there. They've got the leadoff classic going on right now. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which is the top 20, 25 teams in the country get invited to that. So all the best teams are down there. So some of them are going to kind of linger and still be there. That's why we're getting to play them Monday, Tuesday, because they're still down there. So um, there was only about maybe 10 or 12 different D3 teams to play when we were down there. Um, So I have some say in what we get, but I don't have much say. They they kind of say here's what what you have to take because not everybody has a different request on what days they can play, what times they can play before they get on a flight and leave. So it kind of starts to narrow it down where you you kind of they kind of say here's what you're going to get. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, thanks for taking us inside there. Um, would you mind doing some rapid fire Arizona questions right here? Yeah, let's do it. So what's your favorite place to eat in Arizona when you get there? Oh my gosh. We went to a place called Sweet Tomatoes. It's like a huge buffet that really has everything. It's a huge salad bar, soups. They've got uh, gluten-free stuff. They got gluten-free uh, lemon muffins to die for. I'm not <laughs> gluten-free, but we have some kids that are. Okay. So I thought I got to try one of them. They're really good. I'd have to say Sweet Tomatoes. Yep. Okay. Do you have any traditions when you get down there? You have to go somewhere, do something, buy some souvenir. Well. The last few years, we've kind of started where we always go to, if they're in town, we go watch games at the University of Arizona. So last year, we watched the University of Arizona play uh, Florida State. Really good game. Uh, This year, I think we're going to watch the University of South Dakota play Southern Illinois or somebody like that at the University of Arizona because that's the timing of when we can go. So we always go see a game. And a tradition we started last year was we, we started a family dinner. Um, we've got some parents that, that thought that that would be a good idea and have helped out to, to put that thing together. And so our whole team will be there and then any family members. And honestly, four years ago when I started, we had some family members go, but it was probably in the 10 neighborhood. Um, our family dinner this time, we've got 22 in our traveling party, like I said, 17 players, four coaches, and a trainer. But there's 67 people that are going to be at our family dinner. That's just wow. a, that's just amazing to me. We've got 45 family, friends, uh, or people that support the program coming to a family dinner in Arizona, and that's just awesome. 
All right, last one. What do you do on the plane usually? Well, on the way there, I'm still thinking about getting everything ready. And on the way back, I'm usually ready to sleep because I've had a a seven-day trip where I'm in charge of way too many people, and, and I, I take that responsibility seriously, and by the end of it, I'm kind of wiped out. Yeah, well, like you said, you had a lot on your checklist. I appreciate we're one of your uh, options, and you came to talk to us today, and good luck in Arizona. Thanks, Brock. Thanks for having me. We appreciate both coaches previewing the Arizona trip for baseball and softball. Now we'll get to talk about the Bethany basketball teams here uh, the men concluded their season last night versus the University, Washington, St. Louis. Kyrie Mayfield scored 28 points in their 102-68 loss, which included scoring his 1,000th point of his career. And he's just a sophomore. He'll go to his junior campaign next year. So 1,000 points in the first two years of his career. Not too shabby for Kyrie Mayfield. Brian Smith also scored 16 points, both of them coming back next year, which will be fun. We say goodbye to Trenton Krieger, a great career. There's an article on KEYC about his legacy here at Bethany and how he impacted this program. So we say goodbye to Trenton, wish him well, whatever career path he takes after this. And it's been a pleasure to watch him, and he's been on the podcast. If you want to listen to him on the podcast, go back to Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts now, Google Playlists. So if you want to listen back to Trenton Krieger and Kyrie Mayfield's interview, you can go back to listen to that. The Vikings men's team, though, has a lot to be proud of this season. They went 21-7, and which is a record for them, record regular season record for wins. 14-2 uh, and in the UMAC, which is an overall record. They were fifth in the NCAA scoring points, 92.2 points they averaged. They're just an electric team offensively, including Trenton Krieger, who was number one in the nation in field goal percentage. And Kyrie Mayfield, fifth in the nation in assists. Going to the women now. The women upset the number six team in the country, Bethel, on their home court. They went 62-58. Abby Olsen scored 21 points. Emily Gustin, 12 points. Emily Skrine had some big free throws at the end of the game to keep the Vikings up top. And Hannah Geisfeld, 13 rebounds, fouled out. That's the crazy thing. They upset the number six team in the country. Geisfeld didn't even get into double digits because they're fouled out. So that tells you the Vikings have some potential. They can beat anyone. And they will play University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. Probably saying that wrong. I don't know some of these D3 names. I tell you what, some of them are just hard to pronounce. But that'll be a very interesting game. The University of Wisconsin Oshkosh won big yesterday on a blowout. So the Vikings still have their work cut out for them, but they have to have all the confidence in the world to defeat University of Wisconsin Oshkosh because they defeated Bethel on their home court. And if they win that, they go to the Sweet 16 in the following week, so that'll be fun to watch. So stay tuned to that game, 7 p.m. tonight on Saturday. Uh, hopefully they can come up with another upset victory. So much more. All right, now let's get to the UMAC Awards. We'll start off with the women. Hannah Geisfeld was named to the USA Division Three basketball select team through USA Sports Tours and Events. So big-time honor for Hannah Geisfeld getting a national award. 
Now let's get to the UMAC Awards. Let's stick with Hannah Geisfeld. She is the player of the year in the UMAC. Uh, first Bethany women's UMAC player of the year for all in their history. And Hannah Geisfeld gets it as a junior, so she's still coming back next year. She also is first-team all-conference. Abby Olson was first-team all-conference. Kenley Pileski, honorable mention, all-conference. Lyle Jones, coach of the year, all all three players of these we talked about and the head coach on the Bethany podcast Bethany Vikings podcast if you want to hear their interviews again go back and listen to them on Spotify Apple Podcasts, whatever you listen to these podcasts on and Laura Ellingheisen got a sportsmanship was on the all sportsmanship team so a nice award for Laura Ellingheisen as well all right let's now get to the men's awards all-conference honorees include Trenton Krieger and Kyrie Mayfield. Both make the first team all-conference in the UMAC. Jared Malinkovich makes the second team all-conference and is back-to-back on the all-defense team. A great year for all three of those players, as well as Brian Smith, who was an honorable mention all-conference. He had a nice junior campaign coming from Waldorf. Uh, those Three of those four will be returning, Milinkovic, Brian Smith, and Kyrie Mayfield will be coming back next year, which is awesome to see. And Jacob Hoffman, the senior, won the a sportsmanship award as well. So that's going to do it for this first half of the semester's podcast, the Bethany Vikings podcast. It's been fun. We'll come back. March 23rd will be our next episode. We'll shift more of our focus from basketball to softball and baseball. And we'll even throw in some tennis as the tennis season's getting started too at the end of March. So appreciate you listening into the podcast this first half of the semester. Come back March 23rd for the rest of the school year, and we'll keep talking about Bethany Vikings Athletics. I'm Brock Yeager.